0: everyone. I'm glad y'all are here tonight. I'm a little under the weather, so I don't know how long I'll go. It'll definitely be shorter than normal. Uh, Jerry said two minutes. I said, I don't know. Take your Bibles, go to uh, Psalms, Psalms, Psalms 107. Psalms is a soothing book. I saw my mom one day and she goes, I don't understand Psalms. I said, well, I can, I can understand that. Psalm's a book of love, man. I mean, you've got to get through that thing, and all of a sudden you'll get, start seeing how David comes through it and, and what they go through in life. And, and uh, it'll help you get through some things. It'll keep you, keep you on your toes. Psalm 107. I'll read the first couple of verses, and I'll go down through it after that. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. But let the redeemed of the, the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from all the hands of his enemies. Father, bless the service tonight. I just bless you, to breathe, uh, bless this passage. And Lord, uh, I just want to thank you for a Bible that we can hold in our hands. What a blessing, Lord, for uh, 45 years or 43 years now. Lord, this book has had uh, an, an impact on my life that nothing else on this planet has ever had. And I thank you put it in my hand. Lord, that you made it uh, made me believe that it was the word of God, and I still believe it's the word of God. And Lord, I'm to the day I die, I'm gonna believe this thing's the word of God. And Lord, I'm gonna build my life around this book. So I just want to thank you for that tonight uh, in front of everyone, Lord, and, and just what a blessing it is, Lord, to be able to be a redeemed and to say so. Uh, bless now, Father, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I was I was thinking about, it. I had another message, and I got home, started looking at it, and it just didn't seem right, so I, I chunked it down 70 times seven. And uh <laughs> And, and uh, I started looking for something else. I'm like, oh, God, give me something else to preach. And, and uh, I started thinking, and uh, brethren, we are, we are a spoiled bunch of people Amen. in our country. Uh, we have so much stuff going for us, it's just pathetic. And this passage right here is a psalm, one of the greatest psalms, I think, in here. It says, oh, give thanks. It starts out, oh, give thanks. Uh, if you stop giving thanks, man, your life is going to go down the tubes in no time flat. Uh, giving thanks is the key to this whole thing. I've watched it for uh, 42, 43 years now, and and no matter how bad you feel, I've been down in the doldrums. I mean, I've been in some places most people would never go in their entire life, and uh, you, you just you're there. Uh, I, I can read some of these stories about some of these guys. I got I got a list of stories here about a list of guys. I got uh, the message is real short and sweet. It's just about other people, and it says right here he goes. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know, 99% of the time, man, been, you should be able to blurt out exactly what happened to you. Amen. Because if you don't, you know what you'll do? You'll soon forget that thing, man. And you'll say, oh, yeah, and then the world will start getting woe is me. And the next thing, the whole thing will fall apart. And the, the pressures will get on. And then you stop and say, Lord, thank you. Just thank you. 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 goes on verse 6. Then, then they cried. The redeemed, well, number one, I like to say this, they should, the redeemed should speak. You should never, the world is not going to hear anything unless you say something. The Holy Spirit in this time is working through me to the world. He's working through you. If you're saved in here today, he's working through you to the world. The redeemed should speak. You should have something to say. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's through the blood. Did you not hear them little girls sing Well, them little girls, all the guys were in there too. Y'all are little guys. Uh, I don't want to say y'all are little girls, uh, but... But y'all hear that group up here singing? They, it's through the blood. That, it, that's exactly what it was. I, I got saved by a man who gave his life 2,000 years ago, shed his blood on Calvary, and he's 2,000 years removed from me, and I would have never known anything about him but a book. They sang a song about the book, too. And y'all was holding your Bibles up. That was good. Uh, some of y'all should have been running the aisles. Why wasn't I running the aisles? I had no idea. Oh, I can't. I got a bad hip. <laughs> I told Beth today, I said, look, I'm fat. I need to lose some weight. I said, I think I'm going to go out and start running again. Well, the last time I did that, it didn't work out too good. But, but it says the redeemed should speak. The redeemed should glory in their redemption. Man, you ought to be, that thing ought to light you up, man. One of these days, I was talking to a young lady this morning, Brother Barry, uh, his family brought, a young lady asked me if she could talk for a little bit, and we sit back here in the back, and uh, she was born and raised Roman Catholic. I was born and raised Roman Catholic. Beth was born and raised Roman Catholic. And she said, man, I got saved, and, and now that book is talking to me, and I know exactly what it is. And, and, and he goes, my, not, my family's not, none of them don't understand that. She goes, it just, I'm like, sis, I know exactly what that is. And I'm sitting there, and she goes, and I really like it here. She goes, and I, I mean, I think I'm a, a moron. I think, well, I don't want to say moron, but I could say moron. I think I'm a lousy preacher, but she goes, I understand everything you say. I'm like, yes, right there, I got one convert. Uh <laughs> But I'll tell you what, if I can say something and she can get it and it changes, an 18-year-old girl changes her life, Amen. hey, I'm out of here, man. One of these days, I'm going to be gone. She'll be going on. The redeemed, you know what she's doing? Tears were welling up in her eyes. You know what that little girl was doing? She just got saved. You know what she's doing? She was telling me how she got saved. Amen. I made sure. I said, well, I took her down through 1 Corinthians. And she said, yeah, I did all that. I did, that. I did that. I did that. I said, well, you believe all that. I said, good Catholic. All Catholics believe that. She goes, I know. I said, I thank God. I thank God for being a Roman Catholic. You say, why? Because they taught me about the Trinity. They taught me about uh, uh, the virgin birth. They taught me about Jesus. They taught me about the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They taught me some basic things. They taught me about church. Now, there were some other things they really messed up on. That I, I said, you know, I, you're gone, man. I'm out of there. Verse 6. Oh, let me, let me, The redeemed should, the last thing, the redeemed should praise God for his infinite mercies and grace. Man, if he didn't have grace and mercy... None of us would be here right now. Not a single one of us. Then verse six, he says, then they cried unto the Lord in their troubles, and he delivered them out of their distresses. I sit there and said, Lord, how many times? I just look at my life. How many times are you gonna deliver me out of my distresses and out of my troubles? How many times can I call you? Uh, He said, 70 times seven. Not seven times seven, 70 times seven. 490 times a day, you call me and I'll answer you. He said, now, I may not always be nice to you when I talk to you, and I may show you some stuff in the scriptures that you ain't gonna like, but I'll still tell you. And all you gotta do is change. And he, verse seven, and he led them forth by the right way that they might go to the city of habitation. He took care of them. Verse eight, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. Now, brethren, I'm 64 years old. I'll be 65 this year. And if you can't see the goodness of God in your life, there's a problem. There's something wrong with you. I see the goodness of God. I've been on the streets. I've watched people. I've been around people. I've seen all kinds of people, and I know what they got, and I could have the same thing, and I don't have that. I'm sitting here going, hey, man, I can still see. I got a ton of oranges at the house. I'm still, I ate one on the way to church tonight. Just before I left out of the house, I ate one. Beth had it out. She was warming it up. She don't like them cold. I like them cold. I knew that was hers on the counter. I ate it. I ate it because. I ain't going to give her a chance, man. She's going to pull another one out and stick it on the counter. i will eat that one, too. I'm going to get me one of these refrigerators back here. I'm going to put it out in the garage. I'm going to put a padlock on it. I want the one with the glass doors so they can see inside but can't touch it. That's what I want. You say, is that right? No, it's probably not, but I don't care. <laughs> That's my stuff. I'm going to have my stuff. I'm going to get some vinyl stuff. This is my stuff. Leave my stuff alone. But they'll break the glass too, man. I know they'll have a hammer. They'll probably put a little thing there in case of emergency break glass. They will do something. But you ought to thank God. I thank God for everything. I thanked him for those oranges the other day. Just a simple little thing. 33 of them sitting there in the basket. All by themselves. I said, mm, man, <laughs> they've got Mike written all over it. Uh, I was sitting here in the store praising the Lord. You know what happens? We forget the small things in life that God does for us. It's not the big things. It's some little teeny-weeny things that he just comes in and slides a blessing under the table that to anybody else would mean absolutely nothing. Amen. But to you or to me, when he does that thing, you're looking at that like, oh, man. And then you start feeling like, Lord, you know, if, 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 you, if you could do that, you could reach out in Kroger's. Kroger's is a union, too. I hate unions. But you can reach out in Kroger's and grab some little fruit guy's heart, a fruit heart, and twist it and say, go over to the Suma Oranges, and take them all out, and put them on a thing. Mike's getting ready to come in here in a few minutes. <laughs> See, y'all don't think that. I think that. I, I just, that's what I think, man. I, th- I think that I think that all the time, man. For he satisfied the longing soul, verse 9, and filled the hungry soul with goodness. 10, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow. You ever been in the shadow of death and darkness? Man, I tell you what, I, I've sit sometimes where it just seems so dark that That you just could never get by, that you just couldn't get by that thing, and then you can say, "No Lord, no Lord," and you just start talking to Him, and the and the darkness starts turning into light, and pretty soon you're sitting in the light talking to the Lord in darkness, and then you read a passage where even the darkness is light unto Him. There's no darkness that you could ever be in that's not light to Him, brother. He knows exactly where you're at. I like it, man. I like that. He knows where I'm at all the time. Uh, being bound in afflictions and iron because they rebelled. You know why? They rebelled against the word of God. You can't rebel against this thing. I didn't say y'all have to agree with it, but you got to do it. Uh, If you have no really, you know, I'm logical. I have no choice. Uh, It's heaven or hell. That's it. Bottom line. There is no choice. There's no choice there. Sorry, there is none. Uh, If you don't want heaven, then you got hell. That's bottom line. Now, he gave me a way to get into heaven. If I don't like that, then I'm not going to heaven. It isn't my choice, it's his. You know, sometimes we gotta change our thinking to match his and not him change his to match ours. He's already told you exactly how he thinks. I like the way he thinks. Uh, I know one of these days, I'm gonna think just like him. I can't wait for that day. I talk to him all the time, I'm like, Lord, how in the world are you gonna make me ever think like you? I said, you, I mean, this thing is unbelievable. To me, it's unbelievable. I mean, I know you're gonna change me in the twinkling of an eye, I got that. I see the verses, I know you can, and I believe you can do it. And you know I believe you can do it. You know I believe you can do it. I just don't know how that thing's gonna happen. (laughs) I mean, I just, in my farthest dreams, I can't imagine how you're going to make me like that. I said, you're gonna do it, but I don't see how you can do it. And I'm like, man, I can't wait for that day to happen. I just wanna be like him, I don't know about you. Verse 12, it says, therefore he brought down their heart with labor. You know, sometimes God puts you under pressure just to get you in a place where he can talk to you. Uh, they fell down and there was none to help. You ever been there where you felt like there was nobody to ever help you? Man, I tell you what, then it goes, verse 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. <laughs> man, I tell you what, that's, that's some sweet times there, man. We, oh God. <laughs> and you just sit there and bawl your eyeballs out and he hears you. And he saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands asunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men. For he had broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron asunder. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Now, brethren, I got a list of men here that I just, I like all these men. And I could add to it, I got a whole list. I got in trouble the other day because I mentioned those lists of the uh, the 20th century preachers, or ministers. I call them ministers. They're not even preachers. And uh, I mentioned Charles Stanley in that list. But that's just the list. There was all kinds of people in that list that I didn't mention. Charles Stanley had to be one of them. Uh, Benny Hinn was there. Uh, Joel Osteen was there. Uh, Victoria Osteen was there, uh, what's the other lady's name? Joyce, Joyce Myers was there. <clears throat> um, if you listen to them, I'm, I'll pray for you, I'll pray for you. Uh, oh, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and he saved them from listening to Joyce Myers. Now it says right there, I got it, I got the verse. That's, <laughs> that's verse 21. Uh, but, but Billy Bray, man, Billy Bray's a good guy, man. I don't know about you, but I like Billy Bray. And if I sit there and looked at Billy Bray's life uh, when I saw my dad was a drunk when, he was, when I was a kid, and uh, he used to take me to the bars. I mean, I'm talking biker bars. Uh, uh, Hell's Angels or a stinking Outlaws bar would have been a sissy bar compared to the bars my dad took me to. I mean, they were throwing people around, beating them up, blood all over the place. That's where I was raised. And I'm not there no more. And I found him somehow on the back porch of Louisville, Kentucky, and I don't know why he did what he did, but he saved my soul, and I can't forget that. (laughs) I remember where I came from and how I got to where I was at, and I never forget that. Man, I tell you what, there's times out there where this life will dump on you and dump on you and dump on you, and you can't understand it, but you still got him. You don't need nothing else in this world. I got him. I was alone a lot of times by myself in this world, and I was okay because he's right there with me. And he kept me alive. I'm telling you, I watch people, they get mad, they walk out of this church, and they don't go nowhere. Don't you tell me that's me causing your problem? That's your heart. You got the heart problem, not me. I'm not screaming, I'm just excited. I like Jesus. I'm gonna give me I'm gonna give me a button. And say, I like Jesus on that side. And I like the Holy Ghost on this side. I'm gonna give me a hat says, and the Father on top of all of them. And I like them all. I like the Trinity. You don't like the Trinity, then go somewhere else. I like the Trinity. I like the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. They kept me out of trouble for years, man. Billy Bray at the age of 17. Billy left home to go to Devon. He's in England or somewhere over here, Welsh. Away from his godly influence of his family. That's what we do, man. We go away from the godly influence. And we think it's going to help. You get all mad and bitter and angry, and you think it's going to help. It's not going to help. He said, and he fell into evil ways. Billy Bray did, man. I know exactly. I, I read these stories. I'm like, Lord, I can have a story like that. I said, my story is like that. He said, I became the, I became the companion of drunkards. And during that time, I was very near near hell. I was just like that. That's where I run. I run, I run with those people. I did everything that, that's just the way people are raised today. Uh, they were raised like that when I was a kid, and the peer pressure on schools and everything else to drive kids to that, young people to that area, just as that's what it is. When I was sitting there, I'll tell you what, I got an eye-opener. When that NIS agent in the Navy sat down, and I was scared to death, and I told him my life story because I thought for sure they were going to kick me out of the Navy. And I sit there and said, hey, I did this, and I did this. And I started at 12 and went all the way as far as I could go. And I told him everything, man. I told him what you did. I told him what everybody did. And when I got done, that guy had his his dark glasses on. Beth said the first time she met me, she thought I was an FBI agent because I had them pilot glasses on, sunglasses, they were all dark. And this guy looked like Dr. Peacock. He had a mustache, man, he's all stoic. <laughs> and he takes some glasses off and just starts busting out laughing. And he goes, Mr. Elliot, he said, he goes, I don't know why people lie, everybody does, maybe not to what extent you just did, but he goes, everybody does stuff like that and they lie about it and they don't think we're gonna find out. He goes, you're the only one in my career that ever told me the truth. <laughs> And I'm sitting there going, I think he's gonna kick me out of the Navy, man. He gives me a top secret clearance before anybody gets one. You say, what was that? God taking care of me. But it's like, hey, you gotta learn to trust him, man. I never wanted to get out of God, but I did some things that was wrong. And I did some things I had to own up to. And I had to deal with the outcome of those things. And I dealt with them. You know, the Lord can hide a lot of stuff. Billy, he he went to live in a beer shop. I remember back in Louisville, Kentucky, man, me and Mark Brodsky, uh, I moved down on Bardstown. Uh, right, uh, uh, we worked for a uh, used part, <laughs> not a used part, but a, a, uh, like, an, uh, like a Napa thing, and the guy had all those things. So we delivered to all the body shops, and, and that's where we were. We delivered. Well, right next door was a corner thing, and was a bar on the bottom, and, and there was an apartment up on top, and me and Mark lived in that apartment. And all night long, all it was was, was I mean, just, it was a rough bar down below, and that's what we heard. Uh, by the way, I was 16 at the time, 17, right at 17, living above this place. And there was roaches, and there was all kinds of stuff coming up from that bar upstairs. And after about two or three weeks of this, I said, hey, I can do better than this. I said, I, I, I go back to live with my mom. That's, that's worse. I don't know whether the bar or my mom was worse. One of the two was, I, but I said, at least there's no roaches at the house. I said, I can go back and live with my mom and dad better than I can live here. This is not right at all. You know, I had to learn some things. Billy Bray said he went to live in a beer shop and relates there was other drunkards there and drank all night long and had a sore head and sick something. Yeah, I can imagine so, man. My dad was that way. He said, the worst, uh, worse than all the horrors of the mind that no tongue can tell, I used to dread going to sleep at night. I never dread go to sleep, man. I like sleeping. Sleeping is like right what I like uh, because I can forget everything that happens during the day. Billy is just on the other side. He dreaded because he was afraid he's going to wake up in hell. Now, I'm telling you what, brethren, I've never been there, and I know people that are scared to death of that stuff, and, and I've, got, I've got the thing, he says, he says oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Boy, I tell you what, just not thinking about going to hell is, is I, I, you ought to praise God for that. Uh, I don't ever have to worry about that for the rest of my eternity. Uh, uh, as long as he exists, I'm okay, I'm okay. Uh, Billy Bray, he kept doing his thing. He said, I made promises to the Lord. You ever made a promise to the Lord and didn't keep it? Y'all probably didn't. Y'all are angels. I did. I tried, man. I learned a long time. If you want to say something, keep your promise. Yeah. Or at least try. Uh, I, I made a promise to the Lord to do better. Paul back here, he irritates me no, to no matter. I promised a- a- Andrew uh, Barless. I'd take him out to dinner when he's in the hospital. I was just trying to make him get better, so I was lying to him. <laughs> but he's holding me to that promise. And somehow he got Paul involved in it, and Paul calls me to church last Sunday or Sunday before last. And I'm, I'm looking at my phone, and there he is back there. I'm like... I thought he was calling me telling he to going come to church, and I was going to ridicule him and tell him how, how wimpy he is and all that other stuff. But he's back here and says, oh, uh, I, I thought you was going to take this young man out to lunch. Uh, what's up with that, man? Uh, I mean, he'll hold you right to your promise. you got to watch, Paul. He calls me the other day and goes, I've been waiting for you to bring that tile down you said you had. The only thing was he was here, and I could hear all y'all in the background. I knew he's lying. <laughs> but he could have been there, man. He could have been there, and he would have done just that, man, just to irritate you. But if you're going to tell somebody something, you ought to do what you say you're going to do. He said, I made promises to the Lord. I was soon as bad or worse than ever. Man, that's true. After being absent from my native country seven years, I returned a drunkard. That's Billy Bray. Billy Bray is one of the greatest preachers around, man, in the day. Finally, a copy of John Bunyan. Y'all ever heard John Bunyan? John Bunyan. Brethren, I tell you what, it's important. It's important that you live the life you're supposed to live because you never know what's going to happen to somebody else by what you do. John Bunyan writes some books, and it isn't Pilgrim's Progress. Finally, he says, visions of heaven and hell. Boyle Bunyan just slammed him, man, and he wasn't out after Billy Bray, man. He was just writing a book. And he wrote that book, he said, Convicted and Miserable Billy woke one morning about 3 a.m. thinking that, he was, uh, that if he waited for his wife, if you wait for your wife to do something, you hang up, it ain't gonna happen. Uh, for his wife to get converted, he, uh, he said, if I wait for her, I might never get saved. So he got out of bed, knelt on his knees, and got saved, man. That was, that was Billy Bray. Billy Bray was, uh, I mean, he was just, he was a crazy guy, man. Uh, you know what he cared about? He cared about serving God after he got saved. He was a great drunk, and he was a great Christian after he got saved. You know what you need to do? You need to be, you need to, if you're going down a path, fine, go down that path. But when you know that that path is wrong and you change, give everything you got 100% to whichever side you're going down. Sam Jones, Sam Jones, one of the greatest preachers America ever had. American evangelist Sam Jones was born in Oak Bowery, uh, Alabama, and reared in, in Cartersville, Georgia. He studied to be a lawyer, but drinking and gambling soon brought him to a brink of ruin. You don't think drugs and drinking, it'll mess you up. It'll mess the best of you Here's an intelligent man, a lawyer. You had to be pretty sharp to become a lawyer. And he was just that. He's about ready to go down tubes. At his father's deathbed, he fell on his knees and repented of his sins and trusted Christ. He preached his first sermon one week later and was licensed to preach in the Methodist church uh, after only three months. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. Boy, I'm sure glad that he saved men like Sam Jones and Billy Bray and John Bunyan and me. <laughs> I am glad, man. I am glad. Sam Jones, it says, whenever he preached, liquor stores closed. Boy, I'd love to see that, man. I'd like to be around where, I tell you, oh, man. We were down in, in uh, Pensacola, Florida. and We were over in Fort Walton down some two-lane highway with this thing in the middle. And it had this, this everything down there is like these up-classy nightclub-looking things. But they had this veranda around the outside on the second floor and on the first floor. And and me and three guys went over there, and and we didn't have no other place to preach. So it looks like a good place to preach at. And it's the only place there. I mean, there's nothing for like 100 miles this way and 100 miles that way. And here's this nice lit up place over here. So we're out in the middle of the median, and we start preaching. Place is packed, man, just packed. And uh, all of a sudden, this car leaves, this car leaves, this car leaves. And pretty soon, there's hardly nobody there. And the veranda's all empty on top, and it's getting empty on the bottom. And the manager comes up, please, we all leave, man, you're breaking me, oh, you're running my store, everybody's leaving. And uh, we preached for a couple hours, and we said, yeah, we're done anyway, so we left. I said, man, this stuff, that stuff really happens. You know how that stuff happens? You just do what the Lord says. He says, whenever you preach, liquor stores close, theaters. You do know theaters are messed up, right? Okay, we go there. I know some of y'all just love to go to theaters, but it is, but they're messed up. I mean, the old time preachers used to preach in those places because they're wicked as hell. Uh, TV's that way too. I got one. I'm, boy, I am like on the edge. I've been on the edge my whole life. I need to throw that sucker out the stinking window. I need to shoot it first and then throw it out the window. I need to shoot it, throw it out the window and shoot it again and then run over it with the car. <laughs> I'm telling you, brethren, that stuff, your flesh is weak, man. If you don't think it's weak, try it sometime, try it. These old guys knew. Theaters and jails emptied. Cursing was reduced to a whisper. Well, you know what the funniest thing I ever hear is people say, well, when I got saved, I quit cussing. I mean, how did that happen, man? Something went out and something else came in. His life was threatened on several occasions. You ever had your life threatened? I had my life threatened when I was a druggie, and I had my life threatened when I was saved. I said, it's the same thing, man. You ain't going to get away from it. Good people will want to kill you. They think they're good, but they just get mad at you. They don't like hearing what they said. But these did not deter his strong preaching. He died en route to an evangelistic meeting in Oklahoma, Uh, well over 500,000 people were converted to Christ as a result of his ministries. An old drunk man, an old drunk, just old drunk. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know, the 500,000 people, if they went out and started doing stuff and those 500,000 won 500,000, this whole country would be saved. Somebody out of that 500,000 may have had an influence in your life. You say, well, I don't believe it. I got something here in a few minutes. George Mueller. George Mueller was was, uh, born in Prussia in 1805. George Mueller began running from God early in life. By age 10, he had devised a scheme to embezzle government money. This is Mueller. (laughs) (laughs) Mueller. George Mueller, man. Him and Hudson Taylor were like this, man. They were all, God was all over them. This is Mueller. (laughs) By the age of 10, he had devised... Them little kids, man, you gotta watch out for them guys. They are slick, man, they know. They'll come up looking like all innocent and stuff. They know exactly what they're doing. They get you to take them to football games so they can play football. Your time, when I left Lexus Nexus, my time was worth 485, 475 485 an hour. There ain't a person on the face of this planet worth that much money for me to quit what I'm doing. I'm sorry, unless you need help and, and Jesus needs, you need Jesus real bad. If you want me to stop and go watch a stupid football game, or basketball game, not for $475 an hour. You can hang that up, man. I'll do something else. Uh, it's crazy, man. My mind is just all messed up when it comes to that. Mueller began running from God early. Anybody ever run from God? Some of y'all are angels, man. Y'all just angels, born an angel, you'll die an angel. Some of us other ones you just wasn't. Born in Prussia in 1805, George Mueller began running from God in early life. By age 10, he devised a scheme to embezzle the government, money, and entrusted to his father. He was robbing from his dad. He spent his school days in drunken immorality. He even served time in jail at age 16 for failing to pay his bills. Man, I could have been been George Mueller. That's my life right there. (laughs) The university he attended had some 900 divinities. His dad thought if I sent him to divinity college, it would help him out. But Mueller said there were about nine of them who truly feared God. Here's a lost guy talking to a bunch of lost guys. He gets saved. He goes on. He continues his sinful habits during his college days. And finally, at 20, the burdens of sin overcame him. And he trusted Christ as his Savior. I'm telling you what, it's just a Mel Trotter. Mel Trotter's a great man. Oh, that man. Oh, man, that verse over there. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. You know why you're here today is because men like Mel Trotter and men like George Mueller and men like Billy Bray and men uh, like uh, Bunyan, John Bunyan. I'm here today because of them. You know you have a reason to praise God today. You really do, man. Mel Trotter, following his father's footsteps, Mel Trotter become a hopeless alcoholic. You notice the commonality here? An alcoholic by the age of 20, they didn't have drugs like we have today. Today, they're druggies, man. Uh, Despite his mother's godly example, the influence of his father's saloon and drinking proved to be a temptation too powerful for a young man to overcome in his own strength. You get around it, it'll take you down. If you think you can handle it, you're crazy. You cannot. You cannot handle drugs, you cannot handle drinking, and you cannot handle smoking. Uh, Unless the Lord removes those things out of your life, you will almost never get rid of them and they will run your life forever and they'll take every dime you got. This world is set up to take the money out of your pocket. Somebody's trying to take the money out of your pocket any way they can. To make a buck, you got to take it from somebody. You got to take it from somebody. On this day, January the 19th, 1897, Mel Trotter made the decision to kill himself. I don't know how he felt. I told the Lord on that back porch in 1980, I said, if this is life, take me out of here, man, kill me. I didn't want to kill myself, I'd let him kill me, because I still went the Catholic impression that if you killed yourself, you'd go to hell. Uh, I found out soon that that was wrong. I'm not going to tell you to go out and kill yourself tonight, I'm just telling you that, that you can't believe everything your Catholic priest tell you. Drunk, he staggered through Chicago, determined to throw himself in the freezing waters of Lake Michigan. Unable to break his habit and unable to keep promises, he wanted to die. Mel's progress brought him by the doors of Pacific Garden Mission. You ever been in Pacific Garden Mission? I have. You know they they aren't they aren't uh, our stripe, but boy, I tell you what, a lot of people get saved there. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. In the day, man, people were getting saved, and Mel Trotter got saved at Pacific Garden Mission. Mel's progress brought him forth to Pacific Garden Mission. Harry Monroe, which is another preacher, who made himself uh, who had been an alcoholic, was leading singing. As the doorman helped Mel in, Monroe stopped to pray for Mel. Oh, God, save that poor, poor boy, he pleaded. (laughs) Uh, You know Mel Trotter got saved. He knew that his life was shot. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. It's not just you he has wonderful works for. He has wonderful works for everybody. All you have to do is look back at some of these people's lives and you'll see it. Whitfield. Whitfield, he enrolled in, at Oxford in 1732, met Wesley, the, the Wesley brothers, and next thing you know, they go. Whitfield was a good guy all the way through. You know some of these guys, Beach and Vic. Beach and Vic, him and uh, J. Frank Norris was a great guy, man. <laughs> he shot a guy in his office one time. That's a good Baptist preacher, I like him. He, uh, the guy came in his office, caused a trouble, he shot him. Now that's church, man. <laughs> he said, I'm gonna send you where you need to go, like right now. I don't know if the guy died or not, but I think he did. But, Billy, but Mel Trotter, man, he, he got it. George Whitfield, uh, Beach and Vic, he took over uh, Dayton Baptist Temple up in, in uh, not Dayton, up in uh, uh, Detroit. I've been in that church. You ever been in that church? I've been in that church. I've been in the one, of or the original one. The one, the, well, not the original one, the, the number three, but the big one. I've been in that church. I wanted to go see where these men, they, they had ramps. It looked like a coliseum. In the day, they were running 5, 10,000 people in that church. It, was, it looked like a monstrous church, man. For, he had influence. Him and J. Frank Norris had influence all over the place. And then some things went down, and J. Frank Norris and him split up, and two different things happened. And, and we're here today because of those men. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Man, I thank God that he did this stuff in these people's lives. You know, he'll do it in yours if you let him. Billy Sunday, he was an outfielder. Yeah, he's had a career, man. He's going to be a ball player. I like Billy Sunday, one of the greatest preachers America ever had. He was an outfielder with the Chicago White Sox baseball team when he was converted one night with baseball cronies. I mean, that's what Billy thought about them. They're all cronies, man. He heard a group, you have to lie to yourself and deceive yourself to make those guys look good. You have to lie to yourself. You have to throw out their entire lives out of the way, and the, you have to have a love for the sport so much that you overlook the wickedness of all those people. Billy Sunday didn't. He was one of them, man. He knows. He was in there. He heard a group of singers on the street of Chicago where, my, where they were singing, where is my wandering boy tonight? He said his mother's favorite song. Well, you're talking about the Lord knowing exactly what to do at the right time to get a hold of you. He can do that in a heartbeat, man. He can do that anywhere. (laughs) He said, He said right here, he goes, He went into Pacific Garden Mission and got saved. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, see, sometimes we look at things in life and we say, Oh, well, no, they're there. No, brother, I'm telling you what, man, God uses all kinds of stuff. He'll use you if you let Him. Uh, he says, here's Billy Sunday, he says this, I'm against sin, I'll kick it as long as I got a foot, I'll fight it as long as I got a fist, I'll butt it as long as I got a head, I'll bite it as long as I got teeth, and when I'm old and and fistless and footless and toothless, I'll gum it till I go home to glory, and it goes to perdition. That's Billy Sunday. When's the last time you heard anybody say that? Or anything like that. We're just trying to keep you in church on Sunday. We're afraid to say anything to you. I'm not afraid. (laughs) Lester Roloff. Man, Lester Roloff is cool. I like Lester Roloff. That guy was like, he was like saved out of the womb. He got saved at 14, but he's the world's greatest need. Here's what he said. The world's greatest need is is a preacher preaching. The gospel is our emancipation proclamation. I got emancipated. 1980 on a back porch in Louisville, Kentucky. I heard... (laughs) I was watching uh, uh, Andy Griffin one time. My wife, they think that's a holy show or something. And uh, so Andy comes in and looks at Barney. He goes, Barney says he knows everything about history. And he goes, well, what's the Emancipation Proclamation? He goes, well, it's it's when they got emancipated and propagated. And and Andy starts laughing. He goes, no, no, what is that? He goes, well, you know, it's the Emancipation Proclamation. Everybody knows what that is. He didn't know what it was. (laughs) But I got, I got emancipated, man. I got freedom. I got freedom that night. I didn't even know all I got. Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. Man, I'm telling you what. Uh, George Whitfield, beat and Vic, Lester Roloff, man, got saved. You know, that guy, that guy did, he did more being taught that the Bible was the word of God until he actually, he was sitting behind Dr. Ruckman one time. And Dr. Ruckman was preaching on a platform. And Lester Roloff was back here on the, on the platform that he was on. And uh, he preached, Dr. Rowland got done preaching about the Bible, the King James Bible, and why it was the Word of God. And, and Brother Roloff got up, and Dr. Roloff got up and looked, and he said, Look, he said, I've always believed the King James Bible is the Word of God. I says I now know why I believe it. I never heard nothing like that. Him and Dr. Ruman became friends. You say, What does that matter? Lester Roloff had influence with Jack Howells. Jack Howells and Howes Anderson, one of the biggest colleges in the country, was getting ready to move off of King James. And he went up there and said, Jackie boy, your mommy had you on her knee with that book. Your grandma had you on your knee with, on her knee with that book. And you better stick with that book. And Jack Howells stayed with the King James Bible. Now, he would have never listened to Lester Roloff or Dr. Rutman. But boy, Lester Roloff walked in there and he's a totally different guy. I mean, Lester Roloff, that's Lester Roloff, man. You listen to Lester Roloff. roll Roloff is a blessing. Charles Haddon Spurgeon. Man, I like this story. Little boy. You say, well, Spurgeon is this, and Spurgeon is this. I don't care what you think about Spurgeon. I like him. Because of a snowstorm, a little 15-year-old boy, he was going somewhere. He says uh, he, on his path to church was diverted down a side street for shelter. He ducked into a primitive Methodist church on an artillery street. An unknown substitute lay preacher stepped into the pulpit and read his text, Isaiah 45, 22, Look unto me and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. For I, am, uh, for I am God and there is none else. He got saved. The kid started preaching in a couple days and he, hasn't, he didn't stop since. They said his church would have 5,000 people upstairs and 1,000 people downstairs praying when they had church. Now, brother, I'm telling you what, man. These guys got a hold of God. You know what this is? Oh, that man would praise the Lord for his goodness. These men are why I'm here today. Amen. These men and all they did, they kept this thing going. That's why I'm here today. Oliver B. Green. Oliver B. Green. Oliver B. Green. Greenville, North Carolina. Oliver B. Green. Now, we're talking about Oliver B. Green. He's like, he's like J. Vernon McGee. He's like Mr. Saint Man. Oliver Green's youthful life was that of a a wastrel living in wantonness, wickedness, drinking. They all have the same problem. (laughs) Stealing, bootlegging. Oliver B. Green. Does anybody know Oliver Green? I do, man. I listen to him. Bootlegging, immorality. He was a veteran of all those vices. But at the age of 20, God saved him out of that wayward youth when he attended a revival meeting. Solely in an attempt. You bunch of wicked little devil guys. Solely in an attempt to date a pure Christian country girl. <laughs> There's always a motive why young people come to church. Ours come to church, I like them, man. They come to church because they really want to hear something. Some of these people come to church because they got ulterior motives. And I got to watch that stuff, and I get myself in trouble all the time because I'm just a jerk, man. I'm just a jerk. Uh, I've seen kids mess up kids, and I just don't like to see that happen. I don't mind helping ours, but man, I just I don't like to see that happen. Uh, he, he heard a sermon, The Wages of Sin is Death but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. You know, he got saved. Uh, I like Oliver B. Green. I used to listen to him all the time, and he was good. And back in uh, probably 85 or 86, I was in Norfolk, Virginia, and, and me and a guy went out on visitation. You always should do something. You always should find something to do for the Lord. You always should find a way to do something. Uh, if you don't, you're going to get cold. You're going to get cold, and pretty soon it just colder and colder and colder. I knocked on this door. I mean, I walked up, in, and it looked like the Adams family's house. Uh, I mean, it was messed up. The, the whole yard was overgrown and it was dark and no lights outside and, and it's like, you could hear dun, 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 dun. No, that's, that's the other one. That's the, the, that's the Munsters, <laughs> whichever one that was. But the Adam Family, I mean, you could hear the song. It's almost like you just felt it. And We were both scared to go in there and I was like, ah, let's go, man. You open the gate, it goes And I mean, you almost want to go back, man. It's like, oh God, not this one. And you go up and knock on the door. And it's pitch black inside. Nobody comes. And you go. And nobody comes. And, and you just keep her And you knock. And I knocked one more time. And the door cracked open about that far. And I had a gospel track in my hand. And, and he said, what do you want? I said, oh, I'd like to give you something to read uh, if you get a chance. I stuck it through the crack. And he took it and shut the door. And I, I left. And I got back walking down the sidewalk. And before I got that gate, that door opened up. And that guy said, hey. Would y'all come on? I said, sure. So we go in here and sit down. He turns the lights on, which is a blessing. Man, I was waiting for the hand to come up out of a box. And- <laughs> okay, I watched those shows. I'm sorry, man. It's in my head. I can't help help it. But that arm that arm with another. He goes, uh- he goes, I used to do that. I said, do what? He said, I used to pass out tracks like that. He said, do you ever hear of olive? I said, oh man. I said, I love Oliver B. Greed. And me and him just started talking about Oliver B. Green, and that guy started perking up, and something happened to him, and he just went backwards. And he let that thing get a hold of him, and he just went backwards. I learned a long time ago, if I leave one church, I'm going to another one. And if I make them mad, I'll go to another one. And if I keep doing that long enough, I'm going to figure out why I'm making everybody mad, and eventually I'm going to find some place that's going to let me stay. <laughs> That's just it. I, I'm going to be in church, man. I'm going to be in church because I don't have no, I have no, I'm like Peter, man. Where else are we going to go? You have the words of life. I ain't got no other place, man. There is, I can't go to a bar. I can't go to a bar. I can't go to a lot of places. They just, I don't fit there. I fit here, man. I just like it. That guy, man, I, I started thinking, Lord, I've never forgot that. Uh, that's 85, 95, 2005, 2015. That's almost 38 years ago, 33, 30, 37 years ago. And I'm like, Lord, I don't ever want to get like that. The, whatever it is, whatever it is, I don't ever want to get to the place where I forget you. I know you'll never forget me. I already know that. But I don't ever want to get to the place. And I think he let me go there that day to see that. And he said, Mike, this could happen to you just like it happens to everybody else you're going to have to interject something. David said he always he encouraged himself in the Lord. And brethren, you just got to do it, man. You just got to do it. Gypsy Smith, he's another clean one. You would not think that by the name Gypsy Smith. 1860 to 1947, saved at 15. I saved this guy for last. It's really short. Gypsy Smith got saved, started preaching, preached his whole life, preached all over the world. Good, good man, good preacher. He was clean. His daddy uh, did some stuff for him and made sure he was okay. Gypsy Smith said this. He said, the longer I live, the more astonished I am at the reluctance of Christian people to testify concerning their own experience. He said this. He goes, if only they would summon up the courage to say to someone, lonely, some lonely neighbor, I love him to you, the result would amaze them. You know what's wrong with most of us is we forgot that loving touch of the hand of God, and you forgot that one day you were you could be like any one of these men. You could be like Gypsy Smith and saved when you were young. Most of my kids got saved. Jesse got a shirt at work the other day. Uh, one of the girls at work gave her the church, I, and I thought it was a blessing when they gave it. They goes, uh, what, "What did it say?" So, uh, one Lord. Oh yeah, one Lord, one. Spirit, three baptisms. She got baptized three times. Uh, And the lady at at church laughed at her. Or at work, at church, I say at church. But they bought her that church. You know why? Sure. Because they know she's a Christian, and she told them she got baptized again, and she she told them why she did. And one of the girls at at where she works went and bought her that. It should be one Lord, one uh, Spirit, one baptism. Uh, Huh? Yeah, she made this shirt and gave it to my daughter, saying one Lord, one Spirit, three baptisms. (laughs) She finally got it, man. That's good. It's really only one. But all my kids got saved young before 20. Uh, They all know they're saved, and I I, I wasn't that. I, I remember a day when I was walking down the street so drugged up that I fell in some bushes, and I don't even know how long I was there. I could have been there two or three days laying there just drugged up. And I woke up and come out of the bushes like this starting to figure out what in the world am I doing here, man? Why? Because this world had nothing for us. Amen. And the world will just eat you up and spit you out. I thought I'll go to work, man. I worked two jobs, eight hours a day in two different steel plants. And that didn't do it. I thought, hey, I'll go in the Navy. That didn't. You know what does it? Jesus Christ did it. Well, when I got a hold of Jesus Christ, that just changed everything. Verse 21 of 107 says this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifice of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. The Bible says, he says, you walk by faith, not by sight. And faith, faith is one of those rare things. I was telling that young girl that today. I said, faith is one of those things that you just have to learn and life is not always going to be good, and you're not always going to be in the right place. And sometimes you got to make changes. I got all that, but I'm telling you, man, when you get to the place where you just trust Him, uh, it, the whole thing changes. I like I like his song. He says, "I love to tell the story of unseen things above." I like telling people about Him. I tell that little girl today. I said, "Man, I said you're 18 years old." She had tears in her eyes. I said, "I'm 64. I'll be 65." And and we sit back here and talked and. And I said, Lord, I said, you know, I said, we're at the end of this thing, man. I said, I don't want to discourage you, but I said, we could be out of here in like a few minutes. And I said, and your little 18-year-old life is gone. I said, but, oh, sis, man, when that thing happens, I said, you are not going to believe what happens. I said, there is nothing down here that's going to be compared to what's up there. I said, you might have 20 years and you might have 50. I have no idea. I said, but I think this thing's getting ready to happen any moment. And when it does, I said, we're going to be running their strings of Saturn and we're going to have a blast going through this galaxy. And they said, they just seen that biggest galaxy in the whole wide universe, which I think they're morons. They can't, they're just stupid, man. They're stupid. They'll never, I know if you're a scientist, you're going to say, oh, but science, science is, is flawed. It's only good to a certain point. Otherwise we'd have bases on the moon and they would have that, an atmosphere around it and you'd breathe there. Brother, this this is the only, I think, you know what I think? I think this is the only planet in the galaxy, in the universe, that can be inhabited by man. I believe one day the Lord's going to change a lot of them other planets, and they're going to be inhabited too. But today, today, right now as it is, the earth, and sitting out here in our little solar system, is the only one, and as far as you can see, that God put a bunch of people on. And all he said was, oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Have you forgot what he's done for you? That's what, that's what our problem is. We forgot what he's done. Because if this didn't happen this way and that didn't happen that way, we forget what he's done for us. Has he ever done anything for you? I read these stories of these men. I'll never be like Gypsy Smith. I didn't get saved at 15. I got saved at 22, but I already lived a life of debauchery all the way up to that point. I'm like Oliver B. Green. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I didn't read him. Yeah, I did. He he got saved at 15, young man, and and, uh, he just went in to get saved. He got saved. Some of these men lived terrible lives, and if you're in here today and you had not lived a terrible life, you don't have to live a terrible life. Some of the greatest preachers in the world never lived terrible lives. Whitfield never lived a terrible life. But I'm telling you, man, what you got to do is you got to stop worried about this world and start praising God. I'm telling you, the praising of God is the key to this whole thing. And just look for him in everything that happens in your life on a daily. I look for the small things in the morning. I'm like, Lord, I need something to get me through today. Can you give me something? So Beth knocks the refrigerator over. Rawr, I Bust a glass. Then she knocks it over again. And I'm like, man, Lord. I said, I got to get out of here. The day wasn't a good day. And he goes, yeah, but you're still alive. and You're on your way to heaven. You're saved. And the other glass didn't break. <laughs> I said, yes! There was a positive thing there. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. I just want to thank God tonight for his blessings and his mercies. That song, I love to tell the story of un- things, unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. I love to tell the story because I know it is true. It satisfies my longing as nothing else can do. Most of these guys had the same testimony when they started. All of them had the same testimony when they got done. They all loved to tell the story. They all loved to tell about people. They all loved to tell about Jesus. I don't ever know what happened to that guy at that house in Norfolk, Virginia. I hope that he got his heart back where it needed to be, and and he got back into church, and, and he did what he needed to do. I don't know what he did. But I know one thing. I looked at that thing, and I'm like, Lord, this walk is between me and you and nobody else. And I can't let anything get between me and you, because this is what got me through where I'm at right now. And this is where I want to stay. I don't know about you, but tonight, I just want to praise the Lord, man. I just want to thank God for all, the, all his things that he's done for me. And when I look back at all these men, and there's countless other men and women uh, down through history. We got a songbook here. Countless men and women wrote those songs. And I'm singing them things today, and they still keep me going. If it wasn't for them, I would not have this. They're, I don't have to reinvent the wheel. I got it. You think you shouldn't praise God? Boy, you ought to be praising God. My kids are still on in church. Are they the greatest kids in the whole wide world? No, they're not the greatest kids in the whole world. I'm not the greatest dad in the whole wide world. I always tell them to the Lord, man, I failed my kids here. I failed my kids there. I failed them here. But they're still here, and they all are saved. I said, what more could I got dad asked for? Nothing more. I love to tell the story for, for those who know it's best seem hungering and thirsty to hear it like the rest. I like to hear when somebody tells me about Jesus. I like to see the expression on their face when they start talking about it. I really do. <laughs> you can, if somebody really cares about what they're talking about, you can see it in their eyes and you can see it in their face and their expressions. If they're just repeating it, it doesn't mean anything. But boy, when they start getting serious about it, all of a sudden, you want to get in there with him. Like, amen, amen. Father, thank you for your blessings tonight. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, it's countless, just countless. I couldn't even have went through a, a, a smidget of the amount of people that I could have went through to talk about what happened to them and their testimonies. And like, uh, Lord, like Gypsy Smith said, he, it marvels him that people just don't want to talk about what you did for them. And Lord, that's what happens to us. When we don't talk about you, Lord, we forget. And when we forget, our lives go back. And Lord, I never want to go back the way I was. Lord, I do, uh, just, just real quick, I pray for that man that was in that house. And, and Lord, I uh, haven't thought about him for a long time. Every now and then I think about him. But Lord, I pray that he's still out there somewhere today serving you. And Lord, that whatever it was that hindered him, uh, Lord, you got out of the way and, and he came back and, and he's with you tonight. Uh, Lord, again, I just thank you for those that's here. Bless us as we sing our song. Uh, bless the altar call. Lord, if there's anybody in here that's lost today, I just pray that you work, uh, work on their hearts. Show them their need of a Savior, Lord, and that uh, today would be a good day. For all the rest of us, Lord, just draw us closer. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.